0: I feel like balance is something that's used a lot, but it's near impossible to accomplish. But in my mind, I just want to get as close to it as possible. Thankfully, I have people that keep me very accountable. So if I'm doing too much at work, my husband lets me know. My friends will let me know, like, Jamelia, no, sorry, no. Like, you need to stop that.
1: Before we get into today's episode, we have a word from our sponsor, Mindset Shift. Have you ever told yourself, I don't think I can do this? They will never go for it. I'm not a good enough leader. The things you tell yourself that hold you back. Imagine if you could remove all those boundaries just by holding them up and actually looking at them, figuring out where they come from and how to tackle them. At Mindset Shift, that's what we do. We help innovative and ambitious leaders that want to make extraordinary things happen for their teams for their business, for their culture, and for themselves to help unlock their growth. Through actionable coaching, workshops, leadership development programs, or speaking engagements, we create foundational people over profit environments, the kinds where productivity and innovation soar, culture, inclusion, and equity sit at the heart of operations. Are you ready to step out the box and take your organization to the next level, contact us today at www.mindsetshift.co.uk. Enjoy today's episode. On today's episode of Everyday Leadership, I have the pleasure of having a conversation with the founder and CEO of Treasure Tress, who are Europe's largest first monthly product discovery subscription service for women with kinky and curly hair. She's also the co-creator of The Teen Experience. She has been featured in so many different things and was recently on the BBC documentary Spending Black, The Currency of Community. If you haven't seen it, make sure you check her out. It's the wonderful Jamelia Donaldson. How are you doing?
0: I'm um, well, thank you. That was a really nice intro. Thank you.
1: I don't think the intro does you justice, because so when I want to list out the, the accolades <laughs> and how busy you have been, especially over the last like five or six years since you long treasure chest, it's quite a lot.
0: Yeah, it's been a, it's been a journey, <laughs> one that has lots of twists and turns, keeps getting interesting. I'm continually challenged by it, but I think I'm very grateful for it because it forces me to grow in a lot of different ways.
1: Yeah, I really like that. And one thing I like to do on my guests is go way back to, I guess, where the inception is. And for you, I wanted to go back to that 10-year-old girl who was earning money braiding hair.
0: <laughs> yeah, so hair's always been a, like, fascination slash passion of mine. I can't remember an age where I wasn't just completely obsessed with hair. So when I was, I want to say when I was, like, four, my mum used to do my hair and if I didn't like it, I would take it out and like try to do it myself. So I started teaching myself how to braid from a really young age. And then when I was even younger than that, like I wouldn't keep my hands out of my mom's hair to the point that she just cut her her hair off short because she was sick of me always playing in it. And then when we got to school, there was <laughs> a girl called Sarah, who I used to sit behind, a Greek girl with really long hair. And her mom used to do her hair in like a single really long braid. So every class, whenever it was reading time or anything, I would sit behind her and I'd like undo it and then rebraid it. Her mum was really good at doing like fishtail braids. And I was so curious about how I could learn how to do it because YouTube was, didn't exist then. So I just kept experimenting. Thankfully, she didn't mind. But my passion for hair has been pretty much lifelong. Like, I just love it.
1: How did you feel around your teenage years where you wanted to go into here you wanted to make it like a a full-time gig and your parents were like nah that's not the path for you
0: yeah I, I don't know I think I felt a bit like defeated because I just couldn't understand why but then when I got a bit older I realized okay it must be for financial reasons like they just assume that if you go into that profession you can't necessarily earn what they would want me to earn as a living so I kind of rationalised it like that a few years later, but immediately I felt very defeated. Like, why can't I just do what I want to do? Like, why not? Because you're a child and you don't have the experience in the world to try to justify it for them. And they weren't necessarily giving me any more context. It was just like, yeah, no, maybe consider being a lawyer. So I was like, okay, I guess I'm going to do law. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but actually, even touching on, touching on that law piece, you wanted to go into law and you pivoted and went into something completely different. And that turned out to be a way of stepping back into that journey of, of hair, which was quite interesting, wasn't it, for you?
0: Yeah, definitely. I think I'm always amazed by like how things always work out. So I'm like the purest version of a Taurus. I'm extremely hard-headed and determined. So if I say that I'm going to do law, something terrible has to happen to mess up my plan, otherwise I'm sticking to the plan that I've created. So when I applied to study law and I got a conditional offer and then when I got my IB results and I was two points short of what I needed to study law, I was devastated. Like I distinctly remember crying in my mum's room and my best friend coming around like Jamelia, you're fine, like you're clever, you'll figure it out, it will be fine. But to me, it was the end of the world because in my mind... I had set my sights on being a lawyer. So now that I didn't have the qualifications or, yeah, I didn't have the qualifications to allow me to study law immediately, I was so, so upset. The next best course looked like business and international relations because I didn't really care about business, but international relations sounded like I could travel. And growing up, that was something that my mum really, really pushed and really invested in. So every half term, summer holidays, we were somewhere else in the world. So for me, it was like, OK, maybe if I study this, I can get an opportunity to travel. So didn't know what international relations was, didn't really care about business. But I thought if I do this degree, I can travel and I can make what was a terrible situation at the time a little bit better.
1: Wow. I don't believe in coincidences and the way things mm-hmm. kind of just unfold the way they do. Even for you, you hold into that small glimpse of, oh, I can, I can travel internationally. I want to do that forget business and now looking at what you do right now it's it's so funny looking back and connecting the dots isn't it it is so funny so so funny
0: yeah I never underestimate it I think it's always a lesson to me to like just trust in the way things unfold rather than always trying to control everything because that's my nature
1: (laughs) (laughs) even to now is that still part of your nature now or has that part of you slowly reduced
0: I would like to say it's reduced, but as I said, I'm very hard-headed and very stubborn. So it's going to take me a while. I'm still learning. God's still working on me. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Listen, he's still working on all of us. Trust me. (laughs) (laughs) And then when I um, fast forward that journey a little bit, and obviously you started the course. You went out to, to China and then to New York, and you were... Fortunate enough, shall I say, or using your networking skills, shall I say, to meet up with BJ Coleman and do some unpaid intern work for him. I was curious, would you recommend unpaid internships to people now?
0: I feel like my answer probably isn't politically correct, but my answer is absolutely. Like, I, absolutely. Like, why would you not want to gain experience any way possible like the experience is enriching enough. But then I say that with the awareness that it's not always an option. Like for some people, you cannot afford to work for free because maybe your parents are relying on you, or maybe you've got siblings who you need to provide for. So it's not an option, but if you can financially afford to do it, I would say absolutely go and get the experience because experience isn't something that pays upfront, but years down the line, it pays bigger dividends than the, 500 pound job that you would have had that you probably would have spent the money going raving on anyway so yeah i i would say absolutely doing unpaid internships was categorically the best thing that i'd done in my teens and early 20s
1: how did you actually have the i'm gonna say the confidence to even go and broach and have that conversation because like I said he's a world renowned publicist i mm-hmm. found like that coleman interim group so he's a massive massive name but yet you made it happen
0: yeah and i Again, I think it goes back to just not believing in coincidences and the way that things just happen. So the way it happened was me and one of my best friends at uni, everyone else was getting careers in, well, getting internships in the city at all of the big fours or amongst the big fours. And we were like, no, we don't want to do that. Like we want to go to New York. Don't ask us why. I, I still don't know why. There was just this like pool for me to go to New York. And we were like, okay, whatever we do, we're going to New York. So everyone else had all of these like fancy office jobs. And my job was a fashion PR intern job. And hers was working as an intern in a theater company. She does not like theater. She does not care about theater, but it was just a means of us getting the visa so that we could go to America in New York specifically. So when we got there, we were looking for a No, before we got there, we were looking for apartments. And my mom was like, you cannot go to New York and just rent from a stranger. You're two young women, it can't happen. So thankfully, her network is quite extensive. So she reached out to one of her childhood friends who's actually, who was born and raised in New York and said like, hey, do you know anyone that's renting properties in New York? He said, yeah, my brother's got a property. So that's who we ended up renting from. When I say renting, it was, (laughs) because we were on an unpaid internship, it was very good. So we were sharing a room and then, So me and one of my best friends were sharing a room. There was another roommate on the floor. We all shared a bathroom. And then there was another housemate downstairs. The lady who shared the work on our floor, one day her friends were around and they were talking and they were like, hey, like, what do you girls do? And I was like, oh, I do fashion PR. And she was like, oh, are you into PR? And I was like, I guess. And she was like, there's this guy called BJ Coleman and he's looking for an intern. Can you go and meet him tomorrow? And I was like, yeah, sure. So I would travel to Harlem. I met him outside Red Rooster. And then we were just talking And he is obsessed with Naomi Campbell. So the minute he heard my accent, he was like, "Yep, I want you to be my intern because he thought that he was fine. (laughs) (laughs) It's just good for his company. Like you've got a British girl that works for you as your intern. Like for him, it was a status thing. So he was like, yeah, I want you as my intern. So literally every day I used to wake up. I used to live in Brooklyn. He lived in Harlem. um, And I would literally work from his apartment, which now I look back, I'm like, that is so dangerous. He could have been absolutely anyone and anything could have happened to me. But- Thankfully it didn't. He's a lovely man, (laughs) literally like an older brother. But yeah, I used to just go there every day and he taught me how to plan events. He taught me how to reach out to celebrities, how to construct pitch decks, how to work on sponsorships. I was absolutely clueless at the time. I didn't know how to do anything, but he's very straight talking. And a lot of the time I thought he was quite mean, but the skills that he taught me then I still use to today. So yeah, that's an example of... Like doing an unpaid internship, he did not pay me a penny, but I showed up every day and I showed up on time and I was willing to learn. And that was one of my richest experiences.
1: What's the biggest lesson you learned from him?
0: Stay ready. He used to make me, not make me, he used to encourage me to bring a pair of heels with me every day just in case we had to go to an event. So... He's saying like, you don't always have time to go home and get ready. So when you leave the house, make sure you're ready for whatever the day throws at you. So I would have heels underneath my desk and it actually worked out because one day he'd be like, "Okay, we're going out. And then we'd end up going somewhere and Tyson Beckford's there. So then I get to meet Tyson Beckford. I'm like, oh, thankfully, I look half decent today and I can wear the right attire. And then another day he was like, hey, can you take this package to Manhattan? And I was like, "Okay." And then when I got there, it was actually Amber Rose that I was delivering it to. And I was like, wow, like if I didn't stay ready, I wouldn't be able to just say yes to these opportunities or I just wouldn't look equipped to do it. So stay ready, not even just aesthetically, like how I present myself, but I think mentally, like just stay ready for the next opportunity so that when it comes, you can show up for it. And I think today is even one of those examples, because yesterday the BBC Three documentary went live and then this morning after our team meeting call, a random number called me and it was BBC Radio saying, hey, are you available at free? And I was like, yeah, I guess. <laughs> like, let's do it. So now I'm going on the radio this afternoon. But I think that mindset of just always being ready to do like whatever or just whatever life throws at you, I would say that that's what he taught me. And that's what my greatest lesson from that was.
1: That is such a, that's such a powerful lesson, actually, is I guess even... Staying ready means you're always on alert and you're always open to new opportunities that might present themselves in whatever form, which actually helps you. When I think back as to, um, you describing your experiences out there, you were living your best life. I mean, you're, you're mixing with the celebs, working with a high, powerful person in that industry. Did you feel like it was, I'm living my best life right now. I'm enjoying what I do. I don't want to go back, <laughs> go back to London and, and finish my degree. Oh, or
0: Absolutely. For you,
1: was it just, I'm just here to learn, get through it.
0: No, I was having a great time. It was me, my friend from uni. And then one of my childhood best friends had also moved out to New York to do internships. So we were like the three musketeers. Had no money between us, <laughs> but we had so many good experiences. Um <laughs> just random experiences, like even the other internship. So I was interning with BJ, but then I also had another internship and at the other internship one day they were like, hey Jamedia, do you know what love and hip hop is? And I was like, yeah they were like, oh, they're coming here to shoot it today. Do you want to be in it? And I was like, okay. So like, I'm a random extra in one of the random scenes of the first series of Love & Hip Hop. So like things (laughs) like that, we used to come home and be like, oh my God, guess what happened to me today? Like I was in Love & Hip Hop. Um, Like what happened to you today? And my friend would be like, oh, I saw Alicia Keys because she came to the theater and blah, blah, blah. So absolutely living our best lives. I frequently look back at that photo album and just think I'm so glad like that's how I spent that period of my life, as opposed to going straight into corporate and just doing what everyone else in my uni was doing.
1: So, when you eventually came back to the UK and came back into the corporate world, and um, you got your you actually went from internship into a permanent position, did you feel like a changing lifestyle and changing pace and? Were you still thinking about how New York was for you or even about the hair business at that point in time? Or were you very much, this is my future going forward?
0: I couldn't think of anything other than the fact that I really needed to make some money. So that was literally my only motivation. I didn't come back from New York by choice. like I was actually meant to stay in New York longer than I did. But what I didn't realise is that by securing more than one internship, I actually voided my visa and it's not until I had a catch up with the visa company to say like, hey, how you doing? How are you settling in? And I was like, oh, great. Like, I've got this new internship, blah, blah, blah. And she was like, no, Jamilia, you can't do that. And I was like, why? And she was like, now your visa's void. So you need to leave in like 90 days or something like that. And I was like, oh, great. And my mum was like, jamilia you need to come back. Otherwise, you'll never be able to go to America again. <laughs> so I had to leave like two months earlier than my friend. So she was there by herself. So... I was so upset to have to leave. I was like, it felt like my fun had been cut short for sure. And I just felt like, why me? Like, why do I have to come back? I was having such a good time. Like, am I going to miss out on opportunities because I'm not there now? But then there was another part of me that was like, I really can't wait to get back. Like, I really miss my friends. I miss my family. I miss like who I was talking to at the time, which is now my husband. Like, I wanted to go back and reconnect with everyone. So... It was kind of, like, bittersweet. Like, I was so distraught that my time had been cut short, but I was equally really excited to be connected again with, like, my family and my the rest of my friends. So it was bittersweet.
1: Wait a That long-distance relationship with your husband started from then. Um, He wasn't my boyfriend.
0: We were just talking. But this was, yeah, in uni. We've known each other for a very long time.
1: Uh...
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay 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 so when you did finally land and you started earning earning some money what was your all your thoughts at then because obviously you're always someone that's always thinking about something outside of work so at that point in time were you already thinking about what treasure Chest turned out to be or were you thinking about something completely different apart from no people-
0: i was thinking wow this is amazing i actually have money in my bank account to spend This is an unfamiliar feeling. And then I was like, wow, if I'm making this much money as an intern, like how much money can I make if I come on full time? So when I was at that job, my only thought was, how can I be the best person in this role? Like I'm the only black girl on the floor. Like I got on, I done really well in my interview, but I literally studied for it like I would an exam. So my only thought was, how can I be the best intern that they've ever had so that they offer me a job at the end of this? so that was my only thought there was a part of me that was really frustrated like oh my god there's no hair products here but at that point treasure chest wasn't at the forefront of my mind I just wanted to be good at what I was doing and it was the first time in a really long time that I was learning something completely from scratch because financial services is not something that it's not an industry that anyone in my family works in so it's completely foreign to me so that was very humbling to me because I was like wow I've actually like a lot of the people that are on this internship, like this is what their family do. So they're using all of these words and all of this jargon, and I don't have a clue what they're talking about. And I don't want to look like the dumb black girl, so I need to figure it out. So that was, yeah, that was pretty much my only thought at that time.
1: Have you always had a, I'm gonna call it a learner's or beginner's mindset where it doesn't matter what opportunities in front of you, you can learn, you can study for it, and you can get ready for it?
0: I would say yes. Yeah, as long as I care about it enough. Like, obviously, there's a lot to learn in the world. I don't care to learn how to fix a car. Like, that's not something that I want to do. But if it's something that I do want to do, then I'm confident that I can learn to do it.
1: So 18 months in, what changed?
0: I started, it's it's almost like the rose-tinted glasses came off a bit because I was like, this is cool, like, I'm earning money and stuff. But creatively, like, as an intern, I was allowed to do, like, loads of projects And I was making all of the projects really creative. And some of the people in the the firm were clearly like, wow, this is really cool. Like, we've never thought about doing things this way. And I could tell that others were a bit like, what the hell are you doing? Like, why don't you just do your job? So as I started to, like, stay in the company longer and I started looking at the other interns, I thought, wow, like, you guys are really into this industry and, like, you really care about this stuff. Like, I don't care that much. And I'm not able to be creative here. So... Let me make sure that whatever I do in the evenings and weekends, I'm able to express that creativity somewhere. And then that pretty much led me to starting Treasure Trust as an Instagram page just to showcase women with natural hair. Because during my time in New York, i had been experimenting with products. When I got back, I stopped using heat in my hair. So I was getting to know my hair and it was just really reaffirming for me to see images of black women with natural hair. So... That was my thought process and then it escalated quite quickly to me thinking, hmm, what can I do with this? Let me see who follows this page and let me see if they would be keen on this idea that I saw work in America. Let me see if I can make it work here. And then that led me to launching the landing site for Treasure where It was literally like, what's your name? What's your age? Which city do you live in? And then from there, I used that data to launch the official site and let those people know that the site was now live and they can buy their first box. So, yeah, I would say it was like this, like hunger to be creative. And my role didn't allow me to do that at all in any capacity.
1: It's a very interesting point you just made there that there are times when, I'm going to say it's from a place of privilege, there are times when we want to earn money or there's something that's brand new and shiny to us. It can make us forget what's really true to our core and our being and the sound of that's when you went that experience you went through
0: (laughs) absolutely my mum's my mum was a teacher then she was a head teacher now she's um, part retired my grandma my maternal grandma she was also a teacher so for my mum it was like you're earning what as a graduate like it took me 10 years to earn that money you need to stay there Not to mention that I come from a single parent household, so I money's not something that I take for granted at all. Like, I truly understand the value of money, so it was very shiny for a very long time. Like, oh my god, like there's money in my bank account, like I can actually buy things for myself. And yeah, that was that was a big deal for me.
1: And when you finally hustled your way, I'm going to call it hustling your way through bootstuffing your way through. (laughs) working weekends, working evenings, building treasure chests up. When you actually quit, you didn't tell anyone, you just resigned. Mm -hmm. Was that because you didn't want anyone trying to stop you or tell you what you're doing just because of what you just mentioned right now?
0: Precisely. So the year before I actually quit, I mentioned it to some family members and family friends and the response was dreadful. It was pretty much like, as I said, like, do you know how long it takes people to earn this much money? Like, how can you leave? You're going to mess up your career. Like, you're so young, like... What are you doing? <laughs> so then I thought, okay, cool. So when I do do it, I'm clearly just not going to have the conversation with you because this isn't helping me. This is actually making me very anxious. So I left it for a while and I thought, Jamilia, maybe you can ride it out. Like, let's see what happens. And then it got to the point that I was like, nah, I can't do this. So I handed in my notice and then I told my mum the next day, like, oh, by the way, next week's my last week. And she was like, oh, okay. And My dad was like, do whatever makes you happy.
1: Um, so, <laughs> that's how that story went. <laughs> no, that's, 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 that's not bad that's not a bad reaction overall that's not a bad reaction it could be worse so how do you advise people now especially the young younger people coming up who want to follow someone like you who want to create their own businesses but yet have that culture, history, family who are kind of holding them back from taking that that leap of faith essentially?
0: I think it's important to realise that everyone's operating from a place of care everyone's mindset is definitely tinted by their own experiences, their own life experiences people are scared of the unknown and that's a very natural human thing but I think it's also really important to appreciate instinct and to follow your gut feeling if you have a feeling about something or even just trust in yourself and trust that everything will be fine. And the thing that got me through was remembering that McDonald's is always hiring. So if this does not work out, I don't have anything. <laughs> I can go and get a job there. <laughs>
1: That'll have been a very interesting conversation. It's oh, I'm working in finance, McDonald's. <laughs> What's that about? <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, a tip that I always do share though is when if you're going to do that, if you're going to make the move, then do not sour relationships with your old employers. Like, do not industries are small, circles are small. You never know when you might have to do a U-turn. And I was also really confident that if I needed to do a U-turn, I could. I had spent time in the London office and I'd spent time in the New York office and I'd been really intentional about building good relationships with my colleagues. So I was really confident that, okay, cool. If after a year, this isn't working so much, I know everyone well enough personally to be honest and then find out what opportunities are available in the company that I can come back for.
1: And how did you, I guess, navigate even building Treasure Trust? Because like you said, it's, you're getting products from big organizations mm-hmm. and they're like, who is this black girl from London in the market that we're not even sure really, really exists for black people. Mm -hmm. So how was that you knocking on those doors and getting products from those companies? How did you go about doing that? Oh, it was not fun.
0: There was a lot of grace, I must say, involved in the process. And I think that's one of the byproducts of doing what you're meant to do and walking in your purpose. Like doors do open and things do happen that cannot be explained and just happen to work in your favor so one of those things was that the marketing manager at palmer's had come across our instagram page and she had signed up on our sign up form and she had emailed me to say like hey this looks really cool we've got a new range coming up for curly hair would love to feature it in your boxes and i was like oh my god like palmer's cocoa butter palmer's have found this small instagram page like 900 followers and have now emailed saying that they're happy to participate in our first box. That was huge. And that for me was like a sign that I needed to say, okay, cool, this is real. Like I can actually do this. It became harder after that though, because it's not like every brand discovered us and done the same thing. After then I had to start, well, even once that came through, I was still pitching to other brands because it's a monthly subscription, which means every month we need new products. So I started booking out meeting rooms at my workplace. Do not recommend this if you work for me. I'm up meetings in my, booking up meeting rooms in my workplace. And I was calling like, hi, cream of nature. My name's Jamelia. This is my business. This is what we do. Literally cold calling. So going on Google, okay, where's the address? Where's the number? Let me call this person. Not the right number. Okay, can you give me the number to the right person? Literally cold calling was all I was doing. Then that progressed to cold emailing. And then I started to think, oh yeah, I know how to pitch because I learned that in New York. Let me try that. And then creating pitch decks and sending those out. And then it finally began to gain momentum. I think some people got tired of hearing from me. (laughs) Some people were like, let's just give it a try. But it was a model that existed in the market. It just didn't exist for black women in the UK. So I think that that helped because I could say like, it clearly works because look, and I could show the results of others and say, this is what we're doing. This is what we're building. A key part of pitching that I always say, and I always recommend is that the most important part Of pitching is actually listening. So listening to what the clients are reacting to and listening to what they're saying. Like, why do they want you to do this? Like, what is it that they want to take from this? And whatever that is, that's what you need to lead with. So if you mention that, you know, you're starting this fast food restaurant and all food is delivered within two minutes, and they say, Oh my God, two minutes, then that's the point that you need to amplify through your communications with them, through your pictures with them. That's the hook for them. And then you need to hear from them, like, okay, like, what is it that makes it enticing for them? And then you need to leverage that as much as you can to make sure that your pitch is really, really strong so that you satisfy their needs. Because I think a lot of the time we think pitching is about speaking a lot and, like, giving everyone all the information. When it's not, pitching is actually about listening and it's about picking up on what someone says, like, what are their facial reactions, which parts of your sentence are they actually responding to, and then being able to lead with those points. So that's something that I learned literally on the ground because I was like, okay, everyone seems to be quite impressed when I mention that we do this. So let me keep mentioning that and seeing if that happens. And some of the stuff I didn't even know how to do, but I was confident that I could figure it out.
1: So yeah. See, that, there you have it. That's, that's a major, major fire right there. That's such valuable experience and actually applies, not, not just when you're pitching. Even those who are just working in, in corporate environments and doing presentations, it's exactly the oh, same thing. The yes. more that you can listen and feed up of that, that's a really good advice. And now that you are a CEO, your CEO, how was it for you, the hiring process of building a team out and having people who represent you, your brand, the DNA, so regardless whether you're there or not? they're still showing up as treasure and exhibiting the values. How did you find that?
0: Hard. <laughs> very hard. Um, <laughs> I think when we were a smaller company, it was easier because you're very tight knit. Everyone's on top of each other. You can see everything. You can hear everything. You can be a part of everything. When you start to get bigger, a lot of it is... It requires a lot more trust because I can't see you. I'm not part of every conversation that you're having. I've got to have full faith that what you're telling me is the truth. I've got to have full faith that you're doing what you said you would do. I've got to have full faith that you've done everything that you possibly could to make sure that our customers get the experience that they need. So I have found it, it's so funny because (laughs) I've got my podcast and I distinctly remember recording episodes where I was like, building a team is easy. This is what you have to do. And now I'm like, boy, I need to re-record that episode because that's not the case anymore. Like, <laughs> We're changing. We're in a different season. It's a different. It's a different company. And I think that's hard for me to accept because it requires me to also grow and evolve. But also if you've been in the company for a long time, it can be uncomfortable because it's like, oh, wow. It used to be the case that if the packing team were behind with packing and the boxes needed to go out, Jamelia would come off her laptop and help pack. Whereas today I'm like, I am not packing a box. Like I, there's so much that needs to be done. There is a team to do that. And that team needs to be able to do that. So it's difficult. I would say, I think establishing a team at first is easy. Growing the team as you grow the business. I think that's quite difficult, but completely necessary.
1: So what made you select your number two? The second person you brought into the business. How'd you go about that process?
0: So I had had some interesting experiences with interns and I just thought, this, was, this is not how I behaved as an intern. So what is going on? <laughs> so then when a friend from uni, he mentioned that his girlfriend was a subscriber and she was like so passionate about the brand. Everywhere she went, she was telling people about it. I was like, oh, okay. And then he was like, yeah, like, would you consider bringing her on? And I was like, no, sorry. Like I've had too many experiences with interns not doing it. And then he was like, no, like, I think you should. So then we met up. She actually had a PowerPoint presentation that she presented. And I thought, wow, this girl's really serious. Like, she's come prepared. This is something I would do. (laughs) Like, I really respect that. And then from there, she came on as an unpaid intern. And then I made it my goal to offer her a graduate position that I would pay as if she were doing a graduate role anywhere else. And when I said that, I didn't know how I was going to do it. I thought, Jamelia you're just about paying yourself. Like how the hell can you now promise someone else that you would pay them? But again, I was incentivized to do it. Like I knew it would be good for me and for the company and for her to do it. So by the time she graduated that I was able to deliver on that. So yeah, kind of through networks, I guess.
1: As in, you find it a lot easier, even just thinking, planning, strategizing with a team around you, as opposed to trying to do everything by yourself.
0: I feel like my answer should be yes, but my honest answer is no. I don't because I don't have as much time in my calendar that I would like to be able to have to dedicate enough time to ensuring that any thoughts I have are very, very clear and very clearly communicated. So I actually really enjoy making that time, thinking about what I want to do, floating it past the team and then getting their feedback as opposed to everyone doing it at the same time because yeah I don't know I feel like it's kind of my responsibility to direct the ship not to say I'm not open to feedback because that's absolute I'm very receptive to feedback and I really want to hear everyone's ideas but I feel like if I went with a blank page and said hey guys what do you think then we would be doing a lot of different things like because everyone's so enthusiastic everyone's got great creative ideas But I think by me saying like, look, this is the direction, then everyone's able to say, okay, cool. Like, let's do this detour. Let's do this detour. Or let's bring this person on board so that we can go faster. I feel like I have to provide the guiding light. And that's what strategy allows me to do. And then everyone else is able to say, okay, cool. Maybe if we go this route, it'll be quicker. Or Jamilia, are you sure? Like, maybe that light is not the right one that we're following. But I don't find it useful to have initial conversations like that with everyone involved because I can find myself getting quite, irritated if i'm like you're missing the point like we're going here why isn't why is no one seeing that so i think it's easier for me to say this is where we're going and then now let me know what you think about that and let me know what you think we can do to make that goal even bigger and better
1: i actually think that's that's a good role of of a great leader because a leader provides the vision and it says that's Mm. where we're going to and then people in their zones of genius and their expertise, now come alongside you in that journey. We're like, okay, cool. That's where we're going. head the different ways I'm thinking of us enabling us to get there. That's how mm-hmm. you have the team around you. You coming in and like you said, having that initial conversation. You can spend two years brainstorming and not moving forward. You want to move mm-hmm. forward, and you want that support around you to help you to move forward. And that's what a good leader does. Mm-hmm. Also, when I start thinking about it, do you don't have mentors and advisors around you that have helped you on your journey so far?
0: Oh, absolutely. Mentors have changed my life, (laughs) no exaggeration. I distinctly remember having a conversation with a mentor and he was like, Jamelia, do you want to do this thing like for real, for real? Like, are you ready to grow this? And I was like, yeah. And from that moment on, the support that he provided me, the resources he gave me access to, like hugely accelerated the business. But then I think they're also I think what I like about mentors as well is that they actually care about me as an individual because I think it's very easy to be like your company should be doing this, this, this and this. But for example, Andy I am is someone who he doesn't know, but I definitely consider him as a mentor because he genuinely cares about my well-being, but also genuinely cares about my company. And so he will give me the truth. (laughs) Like this is what you need to do. This is what you need to stop doing and remember this is who you are so this is who you need to be surrounded by so mentors for me life-changing
1: so speaking of your well-being do you find it easy to make time for yourself
0: last year no my evenings were becoming so consumed with work I've always been someone that I'm doing my work while I'm in the office I'm not bringing it home because I, I need some separation But saying that, a lot of it did start to pour into my evenings, especially last year, and it got really, really stressful because COVID didn't allow any time to come up for air. Beginning of this year, I actually invested in a results coach. And one of the things that she has been really good at is insisting that I make time for myself and I schedule activities for myself in my calendar, the way I do meetings. So I've become even more disciplined in making sure that when I'm home, I'm not working on treasure tress. Maybe a, a little bit of social media here and there, maybe engaging in some stuff, but I'm not doing treasure tress like full-on emails in the evening. She's also been really good at like making sure that I consider all areas of my life because I'm someone who, if I'm into something, I become very obsessed with it. So I'm very obsessed with treasure tress, which means that I will dedicate all of my time to it and I won't think about like what I'm gonna eat. So she's been very good at making me consider like all areas of my life, like, okay, relationship wise, what are you doing to make sure that your relationship's healthy? What are you doing to make sure that your body's healthy? What are you doing to make sure that your mental health is healthy? And then professionally, she's like, you've got that down, but there's still work to do. So for me, that's been a big game changer for me. I think that's been supported by restarting therapy because now again, it's another meeting in my calendar but this is time that's just for me and just for my personal development. And I think things like that, having structure around it, makes it very easy for me, easier
1: for me. But the intentionality is there because you actually invest in a results coach, you invest in, in therapy, is you making mm-hmm. that decision? And then a lot of times, especially with feet with the founders who are like, I'm obsessed and want to see the business grow. I ain't got time for that. I'll do that later. And then you mm-hmm. see them five, ten years down the line, they're burnt out their personal lives are a mess, but they might have a thriving business. So you actually having that intentionality from now to build those things into place is actually very, very important. And it's a really good lesson that a lot of people need to learn.
0: Yeah, I feel like balance is something that's used a lot, but it's near impossible to accomplish. But in my mind, I just want to get as close to it as possible. Thankfully, I have people that keep me very accountable. So if I'm doing too much at work, my husband lets me know. If my friends are like, my friends will let me know, like, Jamelia, no, sorry, no. Like, you need to stop that. You need to continue to do that. You need to take time away from that. So I think it also helps having people around you that can hold you accountable and again, actually care about you as an individual.
1: You're just about to celebrate six years of Treasure dress. Yeah. As you look back to from where you started to where you guys are right now as an organization. How do you feel?
0: I feel like I feel very not shocked because I'm confident that anything that I want to do, I'm able to accomplish, but I'm always impressed that we can set a goal and we can always accomplish it. So like we've been able to do that with physical spaces. So when I look at like the fact that we were working from costas all around London to move into an office in Tottenham, that was like the size of a cupboard. And now we've got this massive um, warehouse office space. That for me is just an affirmation of I can like, we can really set our sights on something and we can really accomplish it. So I feel very proud of where we are. I'm somewhat daunted because I'm like, I'm very mindful of the fact that like what got me from year one to six isn't going to get me from year six to 12, which means that I need to continue to grow and I need to continue to level up and step up. So I'm slightly intimidated by that, but equally excited by that. I'm very proud also of the people on my team, both past and present and their personal growth and evolution, because working in a startup is not easy. It takes a lot of things and one of them is like passion and grit and I'm happy to see them exhibiting it but I'm also proud that there's people on my team that I can also learn from so for example there's like women on my team who like wellness they're not playing with it like it is not a joke they're doing it every single day they're doing something to take care of themselves and they are their, their top priority and I absolutely love that and I observe it and I think great that's something I'm going to adopt in my life. Another is like, no, mental health is not a joke. Like nothing can compromise my mental health. I'm going to take care of myself. And I'm like, great, I'm going to adopt that. Another is like an amazing friend, such a socialite, always doing something for other people. And again, I'm like, great. Like I can learn from you in that I can be a better friend if I emulate some of the behaviors that you exhibit. And um, Another that's like got a great creative eye, like the list goes on, but I'm proud that The women around me are also working on themselves and developing in a way that benefits them, but ultimately also benefits the business. But I'm also proud that I'm able to learn from the people around me still.
1: One of the things that I really love is the culture that you've created in your team and in your office. I mean, Mm -hmm. you go through, you listen to music, it's a vibe. (laughs) <laughs> That's the best way I can put it. The office is a vibe where people can actually just come in and actually be themselves and just do what they do in a nice, chilled-out environment. But you're, you're you're working hard, like you said. It's still a startup. Mm-hmm. You're working hard. You're making things happen. How intentional were you around creating that culture and your all women, all black mixed team that you've created as well? How intentional were you about that?
0: Oh, very intentional because for me like I went to an all-girls school and I went to an all-girls school where if you had red braids you were getting sent home and for me I was always like I'm sorry but what's that got to do with my learning like why does my hairstyle affect my learning that's really annoying when I was working in corporate I remember like getting stressed over like oh which black dress should I wear today like which black pencil skirt should I wear today and I just thought I don't want to wear that. Like I actually don't want to wear that. I want to wear jeans. Like today I'm wearing a jumpsuit. Like I just want to wear what I want to wear because I know that I'm going to get stuff done. And I also trust myself enough to know that if I have an external meeting and I need to put on a blazer with my jeans, I'll do that. But I'm not coming to work every day in a pencil skirt. So I didn't want that. I also know what it feels like to have like a work personality and a home personality. So it's so funny because at work, like whenever I was invited for drinks, I was like, no, thank you. No. Meanwhile, with my friends, we're out to all hours of the morning. (laughs) And I know what it's like to have to hold pieces of yourself back. And that's not the environment that I wanted to create. I'm going to be very clear in saying that that's not without fault though, because it is difficult to create an environment that is come as you are. But then where do you draw the line when you say come as you are? Because it's still a workplace. So it is a tricky dynamic, but For me, it's important that it's a place where women come as they are. Like, Don't come in your pyjamas, but come in a tracksuit if you want to because you've not got any calls. On the day that you do have a call, come in a T-shirt and jeans. Like, Use your initiative and use your common sense, but at the same time, don't spend so much time thinking about the masks that you need to put on professionally. I would much rather you come as you are because... I feel like that honesty, that transparency, that vulnerability is key to creativity. And I think Treasure Trust only does as well as it does because of that creativity. So I can't expect you to come here and be creative if you're worried about finding a suit to wear to work and comfortable heels and a handbag. Like just come in your tracksuit and come as you are and let's brainstorm and let's do this pop-up and let's make it the best thing ever. So for me, it's about like priorities. Like what do I care more about? Do I care more about your appearance or do i care more about your mental well-being and your ability to execute
1: wow do you know how mad it is that i'm still explaining what you just described right now to 40 50 60 year old ceos and you've got that you understand that like i'm not trying to staff for the creativity that's the engine of the business so i want to create an environment that actually helps to nurture that so they can mm-hmm. be their best selves and people are still struggling just to understand that's a very very simple concept that's amazing
0: yeah, I think it did also take me some unlearning to do, though, because there are times and I catch myself and I'm like, Jameena, mm, you you're being a bit corporate about this, because I that's how I came into the professional world, corporate. <laughs> so there still are some times and I'm like, Jameena, just relax, like it's not that deep. Like, for example, some elements of some roles are very monotonous, like it's doing the same thing over and over again. So one of the ladies on my team, she'll have anime on the side of her screen and she'll have her work on the majority of her screen. And at first I was a bit like, hmm, should you really be watching anime at work? And then I thought, yeah, but why not? Because she does her job and she does it well. So let her do what she needs to do to keep her mind ticking while she does that job. Because when she moves on to the next task, she's all in full concentration. So it takes some undoing, especially if you've come into your professional career as a corporate. But it's worth the undoing because... It's too much stress otherwise. There's too much to monitor. Like I can't monitor dress codes too much.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and that's all mental space that Rather than dedicated and stuff that's a minor, you can focus on the major things. That's what you need. Like exactly. I said, you only have one you with one mental capacity. You need to utilize it in the best possible way in the right positions, the right spaces rather than dress code and different things like that.
0: Literally. Yes,
1: exactly. And um, I'm going to say you have been someone that I've looked at when I think mm-hmm. about building your own table and that's mm-hmm. something you've done with like the TT awards, for example, when you talk about celebrating top, top tier hair care. I remember you made a statement. I said, when I look at all these magazines, there's nothing that celebrates us and our hair. So you wanted mm-hmm. to change that narrative. I want to look at what you did with the black British consumer experience and beauty as well. Again, that's you shining a light on the industry and what's going on and raising awareness backed up with data around that. Mm -hmm. So I guess my question is, what's next?
0: (laughs) Do you know I sometimes find that question hard to answer because a lot of things for me are like a natural progression or a natural unfolding. So the trend report or the white paper that you're referencing, that was something that I noticed was an issue when I was doing my research for Treasure Trace. I noticed that it was missing in the market, but I didn't have the mental capacity to even deal with that problem. I thought one problem at a time, let me start the business. Then two years later, when we had a lot of information on the women that were subscribed to our box, I thought, oh, wow, like people should know that, like there's black women in the UK for one, because I'm getting quite frustrated having to explain to Americans that there's black women in the UK that need your products as well. But also when we're thinking about retailers and we're thinking about PR firms, I was like scrambling for data, trying to prove that this is a viable investment, like this is a good way to use your marketing spend. So. The white paper was like born out of frustration. So as I'm doing one thing, I'm realizing another problem and I'm like, okay, let me solve this problem now. Or treasure trust can now be used to solve this problem. What's next and what I can see as a recurring problem is I don't think there's a lot of spaces that are dedicated to solely black women, in particular, black British women that allow us access to the resources that we need to elevate all areas of our life. I feel like Treasure Trust is doing a great job of like educating women on hair care. But I feel like there's still so much more that needs to be unpacked. There's so many platforms that do that for white women where you can learn about meditation, Reiki, financials. Like you can learn about so many things in one place. But when we think about a space that's dedicated to black women, explaining it in a language that we understand, I don't think there's spaces like that. So my desire is just to continue to create space for women to educate themselves. It started with hair care, but it needs to go much, much further. So that's kind of like my guiding light at the moment. Like, okay, we've done a event on breast cancer awareness. Cool, let's do that again. We've done panels on on entrepreneurship. Let's continue to do that. But like, how can these conversations continue to evolve? What does that look like? And what does it look like to have brand buying in that as well? so that we actually call out brands and ask them to do more than just accept our money. Like, can you also show up for us in these spaces? Can you educate us in these spaces? Can you share your resources? Can you share your spaces? So at the moment, that's my guiding light. Not to mention the fact that we have global subscribers at the moment and it's always going to be my desire to show up anywhere in the world. And of course, travel. A global lens is always the way that I'm looking at any problem. But essentially, I see a real need for like, resources, access to resources, specifically for Black women in a way that's not intimidating, but it's natural to us to consume that information.
1: Sounds like a big task to bring everything together in one space. Mm -hmm. But even though it seems like a big task at the same time, it's not like, oh my gosh, that's impossible. It's actually Mm -hmm. very, very possible. And I guess it comes with more and more collaboration, which is happening and people coming together to create these things and people in their own areas so whether it's a black business in in reiki or those in financial or whatever coming Mm -hmm. together to create something like this Mm -hmm. and to show that okay normally we're coming together to do this we also have the data behind it and that this is why it's important yeah absolutely what's your um favorite travel destination since you like traveling so much
0: oh it depends what i want to do if i want to be inspired creatively i'm going to new york if i want to be inspired materialistically i'm going to atlanta because I love to see black wealth. And that for me is a place that is key to my childhood. And it was the first time that I saw black people like operating on every level of society. And so that's really important for me. If I feel like I wanna be rooted, Jamaica, cause that's where my family's from. If I want to relax really like Bali and really like Thailand, but what I don't wanna do is with the exception of America and Jamaica I don't want to keep revisiting the same destinations so I do want to make sure that I'm constantly exploring new areas of the world and of the planet but out of the places that I've been so far like those are the destinations
1: that I would go to for those reasons if you go back mm-hmm. to Thailand go to Samui.
0: oh that's where I went the first time
1: ah okay yeah I
0: really enjoyed it
1: nice and peaceful so yes. peaceful <laughs> guess my last question would be how do you define leadership
0: (laughs) Um, (laughs) that is a question I think it's a question because leadership is something that I'm really invested in learning a lot about because I'm mindful that because I started treasure trust I became a leader by default it's not as though I trained to become a leader or I was, giving, I was given any training to become a leader. I was leader by default because I was the one that started the company and that doesn't necessarily make you a leader. So I'm very mindful that it's something that I'm still learning, I'm still navigating. As you said, textbook wise, it's about creating the shining light and having people, like guiding people in the right direction. What I like about leaders that I've observed and... I've seen sparks of it in my career so far, is understanding the power of other people and helping bring out and amplify their strengths. That to me is the most fulfilling thing. Like to bring someone on to do one thing and then notice that they're exceptional at something else and nurture them and invest in them to help them do that and then lead other people themselves. That to me is the definition of leadership and the most important part.
1: It's been great watching your journey and thank watching you just rise and keep elevating and see you doing amazing things, not just doing it by yourself, but bringing so many other people along, shining the spotlight on other people and what they're doing and really raising the bar of what it takes to create a strong solid black company that has so much more to come ahead of you. So really, really thank you for sharing your experiences today and, and coming on.
0: Oh, thank you so much. I've really, really enjoyed this conversation, but I've listened to your podcast many a times, so I knew it was going to be good. <laughs>
1: <laughs> this is Everyday Leadership. I will see you soon.